What is going on? Good morning. Welcome to the Land Podcast. This is Jake Hofer, and this week we have a great episode with Cody Bittner. Cody stopped by the Exodus booth at the Great American Outdoor Show. He said that the show has helped him in his land journey, and he's bought two properties. And I encouraged him. I said, hey, share your story, because I think these types of conversations are awesome. Excellent inspiration for people that want to buy their own piece of ground. They're not sure how to do it. They're not sure the sacrifices they may need to make now in order to buy land in a year from now, two years from now. And Cody shares what he did, some things he wished he would have knew sooner, and some things that he did right. So I hope you guys really enjoyed this conversation. Let's get right into it. Here we go. Cody, welcome to the Land Podcast. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm uh, really excited for this. We we chatted at the Great American Outdoor Show, which is always great. Always get to talk to a lot of different people, uh, whether it's for the Exodus podcast, for Land Podcast. And uh, you stopped by the booth and uh, made mention that the podcast has helped you in, in some of your land endeavors. And, and you kind of started things beforehand a little bit, too. But before we get into all that, go ahead and introduce yourself. And I'm really excited for this. Yeah, uh, thanks, man. My name's Cody Bittner. Uh, I live in central Pennsylvania, north central. Um, about 20 minutes north of Williamsport. Um, yeah. What, uh, tell us a little bit more about your background. Like, what do you do for, do you want to share what you do for work or, um, yeah. Um, so I work for a oil and gas service company. I'm a shop foreman. Um, I've been with them going on 11 years and actually that's, uh, that's about to change because, uh, about a month ago, a little less than a month ago, I got told that they're shutting down our facility. So I got about, two and a half months or so to find another line of work. So, yeah, that's, I assume that was a complete surprise or, um, yeah, well, I mean, it was a, it was a surprise for it to happen this year because we still had things were actually going decent for us. Um, I mean, the industry has been slow, we've been slow, but things were picking up. We had good projections going forward, but, uh, we just talking amongst everybody at the shop with like, we kind of figured maybe a year, to a year and a half would be when they would be looking to do something like that. Cause we still had a lease on our building up until sometime next year. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it was a surprise for it to happen now for sure. Mm -hmm. And so I guess, um, that sucks. <laughs> I feel like there's a, there's a lot of that kind of going on right now and, and just like talking. Yeah. Just, yeah. It is what it is. I mean, yeah, I was lucky enough that they asked me to stay on to help close out the shop and ship everything out. So, <laughs> Uh, they laid most people off and then kept a few of us just to kind of pack up and clear everything out. So I have till April ish sometime in April. Mm -hmm. Any, any inkling of what you plan on doing next? Um, I'm not really sure. I started a side business, um, a year ago, so I can potentially just roll into that and just stay with that. But the big thing is health insurance. My wife's pregnant right now. Mm -hmm. She's due in September. So okay. with her, with her line of work, um, she's a respiratory therapist and operates on contracts. She travels. And when she's not on a contract, she can't get health insurance. So we've always just been on mine. So she'll be taking off towards the end of summer, probably July ish. And she's, we planned on her staying off the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so we got to figure out the health insurance part of it for sure. Yeah, health insurance, man. That's that's all those adult things yeah. that you don't think about when you're younger, and then like, uh -huh. then you start thinking like, oh my gosh, that's way more expensive than I ever thought it would be. Um, it is yeah. expensive. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's uh, I guess still even even with these things going on, um, we want to talk about uh, two different properties that you purchased, and I guess it is backing up when you bought your first farm. I think there's always a lot of value in like hearing hearing that story. How'd you find it? How'd you finance it? Mm -hmm. What were your emotions going through it? What are the things that you did right? What are things you wouldn't do different? And then this will kind yeah. of lead into the next one. Okay. Um, so the first one we bought in 2021, um, to go back before that, we had started looking. So I, I met my wife in 2015, um, moved in together, I don't know, a year later or something like that. But we started, we were renting and we started looking at properties knowing that we probably eventually wanted to build something. Um, that was more her thing. I was more, I, I could care less if we build a house. I just want to live on land. Mm -hmm. um, so we started looking around probably 2017. We looked at some different places. Um, we looked at one that is the one that I 100% regret we should have bought. Like, 
um, 54 acres for 92,000. Um, it, it was, I think it had 10 acres of field and the rest was all timber with a Creek running through it. A nice build location up on a hill had a pond. I mean, it was everything that you would want. And, uh, and what, what year was that? Yeah. 2017. Okay. okay. I think it was spring 2017 and up where we're, so she's from Warren County PA up around Warren. I'm from Williamsport. We were looking up there just because land prices down here with the oil and gas mineral rights, the prices are just crazy. No one even wants to give you the mineral rights with the price. So we started looking up there um, to purchase land because the prices are much cheaper. Um, I guess you'd say more reasonable. I wouldn't say they're cheap and all that all around now. Yeah. But in 2017, they were still pretty low. Um, we didn't buy that mainly just because we weren't married at the time. So that was a big thing. We still had some uh, vehicle loans. My wife had student loans. So we really, we just didn't feel it was the right time. Um, so we didn't buy that one. Instead, um, I decided I was going to try and buy a house, get out of renting, just buy a house as affordable as I could and focus on paying down all of our debt. So we did that. Um, and then we kept looking at ground once we moved in. We looked at a couple of different properties. One of them we actually went under contract for, and then we found out that there were like all these liens on it from unpaid taxes. Um, the guy, somehow his accountant just didn't pay these things for him. And it was gonna be a long process of him dealing with this. So we were like, we just backed out of it. Um, we went on, looked at a couple more and they just, the prices were good, but there was always problems with them. Um, one of them was oil wells that nobody knew who owned them. Um, up in Warren County, shallow oil wells are really common. And there were some weird things with these oil wells and they were owned by one person who owned them across several hundred acres of different properties. And then that person died and he had liens on the oil wells. And basically someone told like the, the realtor we were dealing with on that one was said that what could happen is somebody could come in, buy up, pay off those liens, buy those oil wells and start producing them. And now you have all these oil wells that you live on this land and they can just come and pump them. And they, obviously it's their right to do so, but we didn't want to deal with that. You know, we, even though it was unlikely, but you never know the price of oil. If the, if the money makes sense, somebody's going to do it. So we said that we, we bet we didn't buy that one. That was a really cool property. I think it would have been great for hunting. Um, so we didn't buy that one. And then I think it was a, probably around that same time. Um, we were up there. I was riding with my father-in-law down the road and he pointed out this house that had just been completely remodeled. It was an old farmhouse and it was beautiful. And he said, yeah, I, I, I work with the lady and her husband that uh, bought that property and they're flipping it. And he said, there's, there's almost 40 acres right here. He's like, they might want to sell that from the land. And as we're driving by, just real quick, I looked and I'm looking at it. I'm like, I just looked and I said, I'll buy it. Tell her that if they want to subdivide, we'll buy. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think it was a couple of weeks later, he called me and said, Hey, they, they're interested in subdividing that and buying it or selling it to you. If you're still interested. And I said, absolutely. He gave me her number. I called her. Um, she said that she was having trouble selling the house because most of the people looking at it didn't really want the land. Mm -hmm. The land is all, it's all wetlands. It's a, it's a low point. There's a, a big beaver dam on it, backed all the water up. So it's, it is a basically a swamp. Um, there is some hillside that's all dry and everything, but it's not a very desirable, beautiful property, mm -hmm. but there's really good hunting because it's all cover. And my wife and I, we like to duck hunt. So there's great duck hunting on it. Um, it was what we wanted. So I called her and she's like, well, you know, it's a swamp and I don't really know what it's worth. And she's like, would you give me 1250 an acre for it? And I was like, yes, yes, I will. <laughs> and yeah. Then, yeah. Um, she's like, what about the subdivision and survey? Would you split it with me? Yep. I'll split the cost of it. Um, so we didn't really do a contract or anything. We just verbally over the phone. I never even walked it at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, I did have my wife was up there when I talked to her. So she and my father-in-law went and walked it just a little part of it. And we're just yeah, told her we would buy it. And it was kind of just a verbal over the phone that we'll do it. 
And uh, so then it took a couple months to get the survey done, subdivision done, all approved. And, and what, uh, roughly, uh, what, what was the year of this too? This was 2021, summer yeah. 2021. Yeah. Um, I think it was, it would have been in probably June or July when we actually said we would buy it. And then I, we didn't close until first week of October, mm-hmm. um, which we didn't use an attorney or a, a realtor or anything like that. We didn't, we just, uh, everything went through an attorney. Um, the process was really easy. It was afterwards. It was, when it was all said and done, the subdivision, it was 32.5 deeded acres on X is 35. So I like to throw that. That's, that's, I like to always use the higher number. So, uh, <laughs> just, it just sounds better. <laughs> Round up. Yeah. yeah. But, um, Which, I think, I think there's some, I think there's some really, uh, key things there of like being easy to deal with, um, with that, like, I think sometimes people get caught up on small details and, and whether that's right or wrong or, you know, like I often feel that people have to feel like they quote unquote win, but in reality, she wanted to sell it. You wanted to buy it. You guys are on right. a team. You want to work together. Let's get this thing. To the finish line. And I think that's a Absolutely. common, a common thing that a lot of people feel like they have to get, like they get caught up on, I'm not going to split the survey. You're going to pay for all the survey. And for right. like the dollar amounts aren't necessarily huge. They are, it, it is money, but it's like, mm-hmm friction to the deal or in the grand scheme of things it's like sometimes it's easier just to just keep smoothing along especially when you're getting what you feel a fair a fair price for it right and if you feel it's a fair price and they're happy with the selling price you're not in competition with the seller like you're not trying to beat them and like you said win you're just you're trying to make the deal they want the, the payment for the property and you want the property so just you know work with them now do you think was it important that you were already looking for other properties and you've already like you, you kind of went through a couple dry runs previous to this. Oh, property. absolutely. Absolutely. So like you kind of were um, somewhat familiar with what to expect and, and what yeah, else. Absolutely. That was a huge, and that's, um, I spend a lot of time on Zillow land watch, Facebook marketplace, Craigslist. I mean, I just, it's like kind of a daily thing. I just drinking coffee. I start going through listings, looking at everything and, a lot of properties we looked at, we, we really weren't interested in. We just were like, well, you never know because people post properties and they, maybe they don't hunt. Maybe they don't really know much about land. Maybe it's someone who just bought it for something else, like a house they wanted to flip. So they don't know what the value would be to somebody else as far as hunting. So they may not have anything in the listing about that kind of stuff. So going and looking at them, you know, it doesn't hurt to look, you know, you're not committing to anything. You're just looking at it. And, uh, you never know. And you can, the more you walk them, the more you learn about things you may not like, and you may also learn questions to ask for in the future. You know, you don't know what you don't know. So the more experience you have looking at them, you start to learn what questions to even ask and what things to look for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so let me ask you this, you know, when you were under contract on some of those other ones, were you already pre-approved? So when this opportunity came, so, you were good for it or what was the process? The, the approval, so the whole bank, <laughs> that was another issue we had with stuff is uh, finding banks that would finance it. And depending on properties, they were really weird about it. One property we looked at had a dilapidated house on it with no utilities to it or anything. It was, they, they built the shell of a house and then decided they didn't want it anymore. They weren't going to move into it. They kept the property. I think somebody died and the kids inherited, but they kept the property. They kept the house, the the shell of it there. Every bank we talked to was so caught up that there was a potential house and we didn't want the house where it was at. And there was nothing really good about the house there. I mean, it just needed, it was either going to be turned into a barn or it was going to be bulldozed, Mm -hmm. but either we needed to have a contract that it was going to be bulldozed or going to be built into something. Every bank just got hung up that this was a, it was just a liability to them that it was there. So we had issues with financing that one. And one, that was one reason we moved away from it. Um, the, the property we ended up buying because the price was low enough. I was actually, it was a unique situation for us, but I was uh, with my grandmother telling her about it. And I was explaining what was going on. I was calling all these banks, trying to deal with it. Um, I can't use home equity. Most my, like a bank, my bank won't give me a home equity loan because the property is out of their area. They cover because it's three and a half, four hours away. They wouldn't do it. And I was just talking to her about it. And she said, well, 
I have plenty of money saved. I could finance you. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of against it at first. And I, cause, um, I just wasn't sure if I wanted to deal with that and then, you know, when in the family, but then the more I thought about it, I was like, why not take advantage of the situation? Um, interest-free loan, do, do it as reasonable terms as we can. Um, and one thing that my wife and I basically said to like, just in talking is that we wanted to try and pay it off as fast as we could. We didn't want to hold the debt. Um, 32 and a half acres at 1250 an acre with the everything. I mean, all said and done, it was right around 40,000 to close. Mm-hmm. So we had a good amount of money saved enough to pay some of it. So what we ended up doing was borrowing 30,000 from my grandmother and we did it on a five-year loan, $500 a month. Um, and I told her when we, you know, we, we actually did a contract for it and everything. And I told her, I was like, I'm going to try and pay it off as soon as we can. And she's like, you know, you don't have to. I said, but no, we, we will. We'll, I'll pay you $500 a month by this date or more. And we ended up paying that property off in less, right around 17, 18 months. Wow. Um, we just, we went at it with everything we had, any extra money. Um, we have, we keep an emergency fund and anything that went over that we threw at that payment, um, because we just wanted to clear it as soon as we could. Um, Which, that worked, worked good. that's a theme that I picked up with you is you, you guys, uh, attack debt with debt with intensity. What, where did that start? And, and, and how important has that been, you know, getting to where you're at today? Um, so that started hmm, probably around 2017, 2018. Um, so I had at that in 2017, I had a truck payment. My wife had a car payment. We weren't married at the time, but she had a car payment. She had student loans. I wanted to buy a house to get, I I just looked at all the money I was spending renting and I didn't see, I was just money gone. I, I never get that back. And it didn't make sense to me anymore at the, the reason I rented for as long as I did was because I didn't know that I wanted to live where I was. Um, but at this point I decided like, well, I'm going to be here for at least four or five more years. I may as well just buy something. Um, so I saved everything I could to have a down payment to buy a house and we did that. And then the reason we bought the house we bought was it was in an area that we wanted. We wanted to live in the country. And it was affordable. So we bought a double wide trailer on three quarters of an acre, but we're surrounded by 70,000 acres of public land. So it was the next best thing to buying your own property. Mm-hmm. Um, and our everything was it's just really cheap. It's cheap to live here. And at that point, we just decided, okay, we're going to have this much money in savings and we're going to put everything towards my goal was to pay the truck down. Her goal was to first pay off her student loan and then go with the car. And we just with as much intensity as we could, we paid everything off. Um, I'm trying to think, I think at that point I paid my truck off a year later. Um, she was right around that with her student loans. And then we, I helped her, we paid her car down. Um, then once we were married, we just decided we were going to save as much as we could to put that money towards ground. That became the goal then. What, what made you want to buy ground originally? Um, so I grew up on a farm. Uh, we had like 36 acres. And when I was a little kid, we milked cows and then we moved into just uh, beef cows. We had some other animals and stuff, but I always grew up being able to just go, I mean, from where our porch was, we're looking out across the valley and it's kind of up on a ridge in this little valley. And uh, as far as I could see all the neighbors, I could go there. I could get on my dirt bike and I could ride. And growing up like that and then moving to a point where I didn't have that anymore, I just wanted it. I wanted that back, that freedom to go and travel and you know, move around your land as much as you want. And uh, she was kind of in the same boat. She grew up on land right next to her grandparents who also had loaned large tracts of land. So same thing. She just had the same goal that she wanted to live on her own land. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing is just uh, was a place to call your own and be able to roam around as you, as Absolutely. you really want. Yeah. That's 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 really cool. When you bought that first piece, I mean, it sounds like you had done a lot of due diligence. You felt really confident with it. But I think for everyone, when they buy their first farm, they always have a level of uncertainty, or they have a you know, like what if something else comes along that's better? How did you juggle that emotion? I wasn't worried about it. Um, that 
the what if didn't doesn't you know what i mean like there's always those what ifs and you can't if you see something it's what you want at that point we had been through all the other struggles with the other properties that we did like and this one it wasn't the ideal property it definitely wasn't the perfect one but also at that time listening to plenty of other people because other podcasts or any other things i've read everyone just said like you need to just get in you need to get in the market the land value just keeps going up you need to get in as soon as you're in and you have your property you can always sell it to get into a better one so yeah our property wasn't ideal but there was always the way i saw it was there's a lot of things we could do to make it better and if we own it for five years or so improve as much as we can the value itself is going up plus the improvements we should be able to get out of it for more and move into something better. Mm-hmm. What is and you still own this piece today, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is is that part of your plan down the road or you still think you're going to hold on to it or what are your thoughts? So uh, my goal from the beginning was to sell it and then we've had some really good hunts on it and that was one thing with it is where it's at it's there's actually some really good deer that mm-hmm. I haven't actually killed one of these good deer but there okay. are the potential there there. Yeah. So <clears throat> that makes it harder. Um, and it is just a really cool property with it. it. It's like I said, it's mostly wetlands. So you get a lot of different critters through there that you don't typically see all the time. Um, the, I like the upland hunt as well. And there's tons of woodcock on it. Um, the duck hunting is, like I said, it's awesome because there's a, several large farms really nearby that it, if they got corn planted, first day of duck season it's just they're everywhere and it's it's it is a cool property so the amount of people that i get that say i want something that i can deer hunt shoot ducks like that combo exactly it's always so high in the amount of properties that truly provide that and even a small parcel like you know like 37 acres that's super rare and there's always so many people that yeah like that so that's really cool yeah yeah so i don't know we'll see i we bought another piece then and uh i hope to not need to sell it so I'm, I'm putting that on the back burner as far as i can but if we got into a situation i need to uh, because especially it's paid for um i would sell it if we have to mm-hmm. that makes sense so okay so you you own that since 21 and then what else has happened because i know it's the land the land bug once you buy a piece it, it's uh yeah whether it's right or wrong or bad or good once you buy one, you start thinking, Ooh, man, it'd be nice to get the neighbors or it'd be cool to buy another piece. What yeah. was that? What is that how that went for you? Um, definitely. I mean, we bought that and I met the neighbor across the road probably a week or two later when I was up there doing some stuff and he's older and I don't think, I don't think he has kids, but, uh, he owns almost 60 acres right across the road. And that was the first thing when I talked to him. I said, well, what are you going to do with yours? And he's like, I don't know. You know, I'm still enjoying it. And I'm like, well, you know, if you ever want to sell, like I, I would definitely be interested. He's like, all right, well, you know, I'll, I'll call you first. But so that hasn't come about yet. But um, I definitely just I've always just looked ever since we bought that one. Um, we debated on building a house on that piece. But the big issue with that one is the only area you could build would put our our house very close to a really busy road Mm. and i didn't want that it's the town the it's the property is close to a small town and that road is connects to another small town and it's just the main travel route people fly down that road i just didn't want to have a house on it so we knew that we weren't going to build on that property from the beginning um so we started looking for something that we wanted to build on and we looked for a little while um just kept saving money and in hopes that something would come up and it eventually did. And so also what happened from 21 to today, major appreciation in land too. So how hard was that? Cause you bought a piece for a really good price. And then now you're looking at some of these prices and you're like, man, you know, like four years ago, three years ago, this is what that would have went for. How hard has that been yeah. for you to get but, over to, and it, it, that's a hard thing for a lot of people. It is tough, but um, I guess changing the, the the mindset that like it's not money gone, you know, it's money put in. If you can afford the down payment, if you can save up to that point, it's you're not losing the money. The value is just transitioning into something else, and just reminding myself of that. And sometimes, it, I mean, the property we just bought, 
I've debated on backing out of part, like we weren't under contract yet, but we were under kind of an, a verbal thing that if we could get the financing in line that they would sell to us, they were going to wait on us. And I was debating on backing out of that just because I kind of lost that. I lost that mindset, that thought, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so how'd you get it back? How'd you, how'd you get the, how'd you change your um, uh, mindset? Your podcast with, I can't remember his name. Um, I, we were talking about it at the trade. I think it had to be. Yeah, uh, we talked about it. It had to be, uh, I'm thinking it was Sean's or Flint's, uh, Sean Asado or Flint. I, I think it was Flint. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, Cause he was talking, basically he talked a lot about it's not money gone. And it just reminded me of that. Like it's not money gone. Yes. The down payment is leaving our bank account. It was really nice to look at the money you've saved but it's not gone. It's just, it's put into something else at any point because we bought, we were buying the property, right? The, the price and the value was totally there. Um, there's timber value on it. So everything was the, a good, fair price for us. So I knew and just had to be reminded that at any point, if we need to, I could sell this property quickly because the seller did tell us that she had a lot of cash offers um, from people down as far as Pittsburgh, up into Buffalo, Erie, and then several neighbors showed up and offered her cash right there to buy it. Wow. After we, we had looked at it. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty awesome that the seller was willing to be patient. Uh, when, like, once yeah. again, like a lot of the success ties to this, how willing, you know, buyers and sellers are to, to get something done. And, and that yeah kind of lucked out, honestly, from the sounds of it. Yeah, it, it did. Um, and that one I found on Facebook marketplace. I was just, I mean, like I said, daily to every other day I'll get on there and I'll just type in land for sale and it popped up and it was right. It was, it's a couple miles from my in-laws house. So, well, that's pretty interesting. I'd like to look at that. And I looked at the listing. It was just a basic listing said what it was. The acreage said that there was timber value and said they put a driveway in. So, I messaged her and uh, we were planning on going up there. I always take the first or second week of November off when we go up and hunt the rut. And uh, we were going to be up there the next week. So I asked her, I was like, well, can we meet you Sunday morning? Cause you can't hunt Sundays in Pennsylvania um, at 8 a.m. And she, she said, yeah, but she didn't believe me. She didn't think we would show up. She had had several people from around the Pittsburgh area say the same thing. Oh, we'll be there at 10 a.m., 9 yeah, a.m. Facebook and, and, Is this yep. available? <laughs> you know, she probably yep. got 100 of them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, she, yeah, they, no one showed up. So, she didn't believe us. But um, I messaged her the day before. said, hey, are we still on for tomorrow morning? We'll be there. And then we showed up. And she was very adamant. She did not want to deal with a realtor. They wanted to sell it um, so for sale by owner and just go through an attorney. Um so she had had offers from realtors showing up wanting sure. to list the property for her. She was really fed up with that. And just in talking to her, she just was impressed we showed up. And then she saw how much we wanted the property, my wife and I. When we walked it, I mean, I think our jaws were on the ground just walking. It's a beautiful property. And uh, she basically just said that she, you know, wanted us to. She wanted us to own it if we could get them everything around to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, the price was a lot higher than we really. It was more than I wanted to spend, especially at the time. But we did have the down payment ready. I just didn't. I wasn't pre-approved, so we had to go and get all that. And uh, she just said she was willing to wait on us. That's really cool. That's really yeah. cool. And, and I think um, Facebook Marketplace is kind of interesting. It's uh, I'm right there with you. I'm looking there all the time and all the places you looked, I'm always looking too. And it, all it takes is one, one of those to, to, to make the yeah. effort, you know, worthwhile. And, mm-hmm. you know, every seller has different goals too. I mean, some sellers in this instance clearly didn't want the absolute most amount of money. Um, they wanted to sell it on their own and they wanted to, you know, like mm-hmm. they want to sell it to you. And so that's, uh, that like every deal is not created equal. I mean, there's no. whether people realize it or not for a lot of people, a real estate is a very emotional thing for sellers and buyers. And, mm-hmm. and it's not just black and white for some people it is, but for this type of purchase, it, it's often emotional for the buyer and the seller. So um, how is, how is getting pre-approved 
you know, this time around, since it was just raw land with the driveway, was it pretty easy or was it because you guys kind of been through that process before? This one, so I had heard after some of the other struggles, I had heard that Erie Bank up in that area was like really good with raw land purchases. So right away I called them, um, got in touch with the loan officer, and it was easy. She just, I gave her the information, um, gave her, we gave her all of our income statements, everything they needed. And she said, yeah, you're pre-approved. Just we want 15% down and we'll finance it on a 15-year loan. At I think it was nine point two percent, but you know. oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean that 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 in a point uh, in itself though is like shows how important it is to find a bank that understands those types mm -hmm. of loans. Because I mean, even what you were talking about before, like with the dilapidated house, how hard it was, all the all the different things, and it's like all it takes is one bank to be like, yeah, we understand land and we're comfortable with it, yeah. and yep. uh, fill out fill out this two page paper and we'll get back to you in two days. I mean, that's yeah. it's a completely different. Uh, journey that I think through this podcast, a lot of people have understand that financing land, depending on who you ask, can be hard. But if you ask the right people, mm -hmm. it's not that crazy. Yeah, some banks don't want to deal with it. You know, they look for reasons not to have to give you the loan. Um, other banks that see the value, especially a, a, like local banks that are they know that area. You know, they they deal with the same appraisers all the time. They just they know the area, they know the market they're more willing to, to work with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you got pre-approved, wrote in an offer, and then um, what's what's your guys' goals with this property? Is it to end up building on it or or yeah. what what made you really want to buy it? Yeah, we wanted to buy it to build on it. Um, it's exactly what we want. It's, it's off a, a back road. Um, the property is mostly on a hill, leading the driveway comes up the bottom, cuts across the property, and then switches back to the other corner and you're on up on top, almost on, on top of this ridge. And they already, the seller had already cleared an area and started a foundation. They didn't pour cement or anything, but they dug out a foundation because they were going to build a cabin on it. They were going to build a cabin. And then for some reason decided that they didn't want to build the cabin there anymore. They wanted to buy a house in Florida, a vacation home. So they decided they were going to sell it. And, um, yeah, so that was that's there already. Um, it's really far off the road. Your I mean, house on a hill, all that stuff. So yeah. everything you want, yeah. Which yeah. is uh, it's it's crazy how people a lot of people move to Florida. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that a lot here the last couple, especially during the winter. It's like it's mm -hmm. uh, it's like trying to sell an AC unit in the in the in the winter, or like vice versa. It's like there's. When it's really cold and if someone wants to go to Florida, like they, they have a little bit more motivation than, um, you know, in the yeah. summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's awesome. So um, <clears throat> what were, I mean, with two tracks under your belt now, I mean, like what were some, what were some, what's a key piece of advice you would give someone that is listening to this and they're working on saving up some money? Maybe they do have a truck loan. Maybe they do have a car loan. Maybe they have student loans what's some advice that you would give someone that's trying to trying to emulate what you've done? I mean, if they have loans on things, I would try and get rid of those loans. Um, I mean, a mortgage is one thing. You're, that's a really difficult one to get away from. If, if it's your goal, then it should be your goal. But focusing and setting a clear goal of, okay, I want to buy land. Maybe you're, maybe you're not quite ready if the payment is an issue. So if you have loans, if you have credit card debt, pay it down, pay it off, pay it down. Um, and then just take that same amount of aggression and everything you have and just go at it, save that money for the land because the down payment is what I feel holds a lot of people back. Um, if you know that you can pay off these vehicle loans and make a double payment, well, there you know, once that vehicle's paid off, you have that much money that you could put into saving for land. And then that's, the payment you can afford on land. And it's really just having a clear blood budget in mind of what you can afford. Um, and just maybe you have to wait a little longer, but fixing the debt part of it and getting a, those payments gone is huge. Yeah. Cause when, <clears throat> once they're gone, that could go towards saving up for a down payment and then eventually go towards yeah. the actual land payment. Do you think that everyone can, uh, everyone that wants to buy land, do you think can buy land? Yeah, I, mean, I really do think so. Um, and I'd say that I'm 
so I, when I bought my house, um, my wife and I weren't dating or weren't married at the time. So we were just dating. So we lived together, but I didn't want any money from her to help buy the house. Um, it, I saved $20,000 making $18 an hour at the time. That's and, hard. and that was with the truck payment at the time. So you just have to be laser focused. I mean, if you know exactly what you want and you can I would just remind myself anytime that I wanted something, wanted to buy anything, didn't matter what it was, a drink at the gas station, you know, it's only a $2, whatever. You just remind yourself, I need to save the money for whatever, if it's the house, it's the land, and just constantly remind yourself that that's what you want, and this isn't helping. Mm-hmm. Everything adds up. Yeah, it does. I mean, um, it's like twenty twenty seven dollars and some change is like ten thousand dollars a day or a year. So twenty seven dollars a day, whether yeah. you're buying lunch, getting whatever else, spending money on whatever that is, but only twenty seven dollars a day is. Mm -hmm. $10,000 just shy of it, which doesn't seem like $27 a day would add up to that much, but oh my gosh, it does do the math. Yeah. If you're you're buying your, say, breakfast every day, if you're going out to eat for lunch every day and then stopping to grab something for dinner, like tally that all up, multiply it by a five-day work week, seven days, if you're doing the same thing on the weekends, and then, you know, take it all the way out to a year and see what that total is, and then look at what it would cost you to maybe pack your lunch, maybe eat breakfast at home. You know, I mean, I religiously cook breakfast at home every single day. I religiously pack my lunch and I have for the 11 years that I've worked here, the job I'm at, the guy, everyone I work with will tell you I'm consistent. I pack my lunch every single day and I generally, you don't have to go as serious as this, but I pretty much eat the same things every single day. And part of that is just, it's simple. I like the simpleness, you know, simplicity of it. So, um, and it's cheap and I save a ton of money just packing my lunch every day. Yeah. So pack your lunch by a farm. There you go. There you <laughs> so, go. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it might take you some time, but it, it'll work. And, uh, you're, you're yep. proof of that. What was, what's been a common myth about the purchasing process or now that you own land, like what's a common myth that you think a lot of people think about when it comes to buying land or owning land that you think is, is not true. Um, so I can't really think of anything with buying land other than that people just think they can't afford it. Um, with land ownership, a lot of people think that if they buy land, the hunting becomes easy and that is not true. (laughs) (laughs) The, the work that goes into it, is a lot more it's just a lot more intensive it may be work you enjoy but it still is more work it's more time um especially if you live far away like we live three and a half hours so i can't just shoot up there on the weekend every weekend and cut trails and do things like that um it's just a lot more work and that work also sometimes costs you money because you have gas whether you're putting food pots in or do renting equipment if you need to rent equipment buying equipment so um it's a lot more work and it's a lot more expensive at that point to maintain it and build the the hunting that you may want on there or whatever other things you're trying to do um, than in just going and hunting public land because public land is, it's just, it's boot work, you know, it's scouting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's the, uh, we, <clears throat> we talked about um, the Diderot effect on the podcast a long time ago, which basically means like once you buy something, okay, that's the fixed cost. But then like, to your point, like food plots, everything else, like those are all things that you're going to end up buying Mm -hmm. because you have the piece. And so it's important to at least note that, but Mm -hmm. it's like you bought the, at at that point, it's like, uh, I would just try to budget that in because like you, you bought the piece, you want to enjoy it. You want to do what you want. Absolutely. And and I I think the other thing too is I'm, I'm biased towards this, but I do feel that land is probably one of the easiest forms of real estate to do value add. So mean, meaning to increase the use, increase the value and get a, you know, at least a dollar for dollar return on, on what you put into it. I, I really think that mm-hmm. it's probably easier than a house or commercial or multifamily. A roof's expensive. A septic tank is expensive. Yeah. Um, but if it's the work you enjoy to do, that's how you can create a little margin to, to not lose money on the improvements you make. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And in the case of some properties, like our first one we bought, and it's it's not an aesthetically beautiful property. I and mean, it's a swamp with a ton of bush honeysuckle, willow, dogwood. It's just 
thick. Mm-hmm. So a huge thing that you can do just to add some value is access. When we bought that property, there weren't many trails that you could just walk through. You had to fight your way through everything. So just a weed whacker with a blade on the end, start making trails. Um, it's sweat, you know, it's sweat work. It's mm-hmm. stuff that is relatively cheap to do. You're just going to spend the time and the work doing it mm-hmm. and you can add value. Pat Porter, who's been on the, this podcast a handful of times, I, I really respect and enjoy conversations with him. And he mentions that take the imagination out of the property. Most people don't have, like you may be able to picture, oh, you could put a road here, or you could put an access point here. But most people do not have the imagination. They just see like, how do you get to this? How like oh, And a lot yeah. of people overestimate how expensive or how hard something may be. And, you know, and maybe, you know, you could be on the other side end of that but in reality like remove the imagination from the parcel so just do what you think you need to do because that's because the next mm-hmm. person that comes along like oh it's already here i don't have to even think about it it's already there wow right. this is really awesome mm-hmm. absolutely yeah that's uh that's definitely a, a key thing that i've picked up from pat over the years um what about um I mean, is there anything else that you can really think of, of, of maybe something you wish you knew before you got started or, or something that you're glad you know now uh, that you have two, two different pieces or two different transactions under your belt? Um, something I wish I knew. I mean, I wish I would have known what banks were easier to work with. It would have saved me a lot of time. Um, that's, that's a huge pain. Um, I wish I would have understood... I think how to say this. I wish I would have understood more about different about like small like niche things on properties that add value. Um, as I've looked at properties and buying the two we have, is learned more about oil and gas and what the value yeah. is there, and then learn learn more about timber and what value. And then um, you know it's a one time thing. So what I did when I bought the first piece was I contacted a forester and. I had him walk it with me, kind of explain stuff to me. And now with the second property, with there being timber value on it, same thing, called him back up, brought him back out. Um, and just trying to learn as much as I can from somebody who's a professional on it. Yeah. And a, and a free resource for uh, a lot of times, if, depending on if it's a state forester or not. I think you're exactly right because they are very niche. They are very confusing. You can get, especially mm-hmm. with timber, like you can get you can bring five foresters out and you're going to get five different answers, five different, uh, you know, yeah. five different outlooks. And I think that's really confusing and intimidating for most people. And I think, uh, we're going to get a forester here on the land podcast here soon to talk about some of those things, but I, I uh, completely agree. And I think that's where most people mm-hmm. uh, can relate to. And then oil and gas is unique kind of throughout, throughout the country, like where we're at, we have windmills, you know, we don't have oil and yeah. gas. <laughs> we mm-hmm. have, we have corn beans and windmills is about in solar panels now. Um, so what, what have you learned about oil and gas and, and how do you think it impacts the value uh, of land in the region you're at? And this is just your opinion. Um, so the region we bought in, it, it really doesn't affect it too much because they're shallow wells. They really don't produce that much. Um, the people, the way people make money with those is owning a lot of them. Um, Going into properties in that area with those really old wells is the mineral rights are just hacked and split up. They were sold in the 30s, 40s. Um, The tracking of it was not done very well. So you could go into a property and think it's great, but then find out that two different people own the oil wells, the oil rights. And they may drill there, they may not. There may be wells there not producing but maybe they're going to come back in and do it again. Um, the property we do own, the swamp property has, has wells on it. Um, because we didn't plan to build on it, we were okay with them. Um, the guy that pumps them has been really cool. I talked to him when we first bought it. And one of my concerns was, are you going to come in and pump a well while I'm hunting? And he's like, I own a bunch of wells. I don't need to pump during hunting season. And he's like, if it falls where I do need to pump, he's like, I'll just pump on Sunday. So, I was like, all right, that's perfectly fine. Um, it's not ideal, but given the price and situation, I was okay with it. Um, the Where I live, gas is huge. Um, there's, I mean, everybody's leased up in the area I am. And that really changes the value of the land 
sometimes it's not even a it's a it's not even a realized value yet. Some landowners think they're sitting on a pocket of gas and there's not. They're not they're not under a lease or anything. But the the thought that maybe in 20 years somebody could decide to come drill under you, they just pump the price. And then they won't even sell the mineral rights with it, or they'll only sell half mineral rights. Um, I've seen people do everything where they want to sell the side of a mountain, nothing but a almost a cliff with some shitty trees on it, and they want four thousand an acre because somebody could drill. You know, I they're most likely not going to drill. You, know, you can look at it and know like that's ah, probably not going to happen. You could potentially get drilled under, but the price of that isn't going to reflect what you would make off those gas off the gas. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it makes it a lot more difficult. Yeah, I can imagine seller <clears throat> seller expectations probably are all over the board because mm-hmm. they hear about one person that got X and and yeah. because they are in oh. a unique situation with a unique yeah. pocket and whatever infrastructure is nearby, and then they think that oh, I have that too. I, I can yeah. I can imagine that being challenging. Yeah, they watched uh, Beverly Hills Hillbillies and thought they were going to get rich overnight. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's for sure. What, uh, I mean, do you think that, so you have two properties under your belt. You talked about potentially you would sell the, the first one if it ever made sense, but you're enjoying it too much. Do you think you'll end up buying, how, how old are you? And then do you think you'll end up buying more pieces down the road? I'm 33 and I will definitely continue to buy. Um, right now, the goal is to get everything situated where we can buy a house or build a house on the one we have. But after that's done, I really would like to start buying stuff out of state Um, where we're going to be building. We're only less than 10 minutes from the New York border. So I'd be looking in Southern New York at that point. And then also we're about an hour from North Northeast Ohio. So probably in that area as well. And that's just to increase tags. Mm -hmm. That's really what I want there. And you can hunt on Sundays too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can hunt here on Sundays soon, but Every time I'm out in Pennsylvania at that trade show, it because I don't think about it throughout the year, but then every time mm-hmm. it's like, I couldn't hunt on Sundays. That is just so crazy to me. That's still even a thing. It like, is. It's crazy. It doesn't yep. make any sense. No. Yep. And the, the worst part is the best cold fronts always hit on Sundays. I can imagine. Yeah. It's All just, the time. It's just torture. I'm sure checking your cameras and like, oh, he was in here on Sunday. I couldn't mm-hmm. That's yep. That's crazy to me, but it's – uh because th- what there's another state out east where you can't hunt Sundays, or am I dreaming dreaming that up? No, I think there is. I'm not sure which one, but yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's crazy, but awesome. Well, Cody, can you think of anything else that may be helpful for someone else that's in their land journey? Maybe uh, any sage advice that 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 we haven't covered. I mean, we covered a lot of really good things. I think the the common theme you hit on some key pillars that I think all the successful people I've spoken with pay down your debt strap down your finances it's you know like you have to make some sacrifices you have to be focused and it's uh, resonates with what you've done i think getting into the market and just buying is very important like you talked about both of these were solid buys they weren't you weren't buying at the very high end of whatever like these are pieces that you felt like you could force some appreciation you're getting it for a fair price that's another key element is there anything else that you could think of um i would you know i just would uh reiterate that it's it needs to be you need to make it a focus. If it is your goal to buy a piece of land, I mean, if you got to write it on your mirror in the morning, so you look at it and see like, that's a goal, just keep it in your mind and everything you do. Um, and just, yeah, stay focused and really watch listings. Um, because they, if you're looking every day, it's amazing. You can look at a piece of property, a listing and you'll see it and then you'll check back the next day and it's gone. Yeah. So if you're not looking every day, you could be missing the property, the right price, the right buy, because if it is a good buy, somebody is going to buy it. Mm-hmm. So you need to see it right away. You need to contact that person. Don't him haw about it because it doesn't, it doesn't hurt you to look at it and just go look at it as soon as you can. So that way you at least know if it is feasible and it kind of buys you time. You know, maybe the seller has an offer gets an offer within the, before you can make it, but they're going to wait to see what you have to say. They may not want to sell right away. They may just wait. So it could buy you an extra couple of days to a week to maybe try and get pre-approved to maybe line something up and just, you know, if it's something you think you could, you're interested in, just go look at it. 
Mm-hmm. And another point that I'm sure has indirectly happened by you checking every day, you learn the market. You understand Absolutely. what things are going for. You, yeah. you know, you're seeing like, oh, that piece. I mean, a lot of pieces I can tell you is I can guess this is going to sell in two days. This is going to sell in two weeks. This one's oh, going to yeah. sell in two months. And you just slowly learn where is the tolerance of price and what is a good buy, which one is going to sit mm-hmm. for a long time. And I'm sure that's yeah. directly happened with what you've done. Absolutely. And you can also watch those properties that it could be a really good property, but the price is too high and you'll, you'll see it in the properties you look at and you're just like, wow, this is a really awesome property, but I just don't see the price being worth it. That property will generally sit. And some people will say, well, oh, well, they're, they're asking, you know, 5,000 acre for that property. That's what mine could go for. Well, just because somebody's asking that price doesn't mean that's what it's worth. Yep. If it's not selling, the property is not worth that then because somebody doesn't value it at that price. So just let it, you know, they, maybe that property you go look at. And if it's too much for you at the time, don't try to jump through hoops to make it happen. Just let it sit. If that property sits for six months, you may be able to go in and offer a lower price and maybe they'll take it because they were too hot. Yep. That's an excellent piece of advice. Well, Cody, I really appreciate you doing this. I'm so glad you stopped by the booth and we were able to talk and line this up. I think your story is very, very relatable. And I think it's very tangible for people to follow what you've done. And it's like you didn't have a, a silver bullet. You didn't have a magic potion. You just had a plan. You stuck with it. You did it. And then you learned a lot along the way. And then you move on to the next one. And I'm really excited for your family to build a house. Sounds like an awesome property. Uh, to to build something. So I, 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 I want to say thank you for, for sharing your story. Yep, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. It, do you want to share how people can get a hold of you or do you want to be, I, I leave it up open to you. It's 100% up to you. I mean, I have a, I have a Facebook. They can, they just want to, I guess, message me on there or something. That's fine. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cody. All right. Thank you. There you guys have. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And in case you guys were brand new to the show here, the goal is very simple here at The Land Podcast. It's to help 100 people buy their first farm. There's three ways to be included on that. Number one, if you're looking in the state of Illinois in an area that I have expertise, I'm more than happy to help you as a buyer's agent. Number two, if you want to get connected with someone that I would consider doing business business with, I can give you a few ideas, make an introduction, and it's your decision from there. But there's some really great agents out there. I don't have complete coverage across the entire country. I wish I did. But if you're looking in an area that I know, I'm more than happy to help. And number three, if you simply learn something from this podcast, like Cody talked about, that helps you move forward with confidence, I want to hear I want to add you to the 100 buyers. And we are getting so close. I bet you we're going to hit it here before too long. So be sure to send in if this show has helped you buy your farm. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Until next time, see ya.